Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fucking ears? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is WTF. This is my podcast. Welcome to the show. My guest today is comedian Ryan Singer, a good friend of mine who's been on this show in small bits and pieces many times over the years. Today's Ryan's day to have his full interview. He's been a good friend of mine for years. He's open for me on the road. He's got a new CD out called Immortal for Now. Uh, he's also going to be appearing tonight at Doc's Lab, which is the old Purple Onion in San Francisco. And he's on the show today, Ryan Singer. Yay. I am heading into the last day of shooting for season four of my show, Marin, which can be seen on IFC starting in May. You can watch ep- uh, seasons one through three of Marin on Netflix. It's not really a plug. I'm not trying to plug. I'm just telling you. So... Let's re-enter the conversation about the buzz that's coming through my receiver. And this is the problem with dealing with audio that you now have a, a, some sort of sense of perfection invested in or some sort of a emotional uh, commitment to the nostalgia effect of uh, you know running analog audio through old receivers and equipment to time travel like I do. I can't, I can't not have music on right now. I just I don't know what it is. If I if I have music on almost all the time in my house or wherever I am alone primarily then whatever voices that are not singing to me within me that are not generally saying pleasant things or maybe not reflecting on the best things uh, they get sort of drowned out by some of the amazing musicians and and people's records that I listen to so it is psychologically beneficial in my great journey to uh avoid and uh distract myself from existential paralysis. That, I think that's healthy. Am I a better person? Do I feel better? Yeah, I have music going all the time, so I'm constantly distracted by something that's pleasant in my ears and not necessarily something on a computer screen that's going to cause me anxiety, like the speedball that is Twitter. But I'm getting to the point where I might have to try to build a Faraday box. I didn't know what a Faraday box was. I'm not sure I do know what a Faraday box is. I'm not sure I understand what a Faraday box is. But if you're getting, if your equipment's getting pummeled by external waves, I believe they may be called RF waves, might be the ones I'm dealing with, radio transmitter waves, something, antenna 
But uh, the Faraday box is something, it's, it has to be made out of steel or copper mesh, from what I understand, and it has to surround the piece of equipment, and it'll, and then you have to ground it, and it will deflect whatever electrons or electro uh, pebbles or electricity waves are coming at it, are coming at your receiver or whatever piece of equipment it is that's picking up these these waves and causing trouble in the quieter moments of wonderful music. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to get that stuff and I'm going to build one. And it's going to be a big pain in my ass because now I'm, I can't look at my, my pretty old Marantz. I got to look at this giant box covered in copper tape that I have to put over the thing in order to play a record. The Faraday box. Apparently planes are basically flying Faraday boxes so we don't get jarred by lightning and fried in our chairs before the plane crashes but uh faraday box on the horizon protected protected from renegade frequencies that can just pound their way in and cause some unpleasant noises and buzzing and bad sounds so that's that's where i'm at i'm at the faraday box stage all right so let's let's track it and you know, see, like some of you, you know, you you wonder, like, you know, what why is why is Marin talk about himself all the time, or what? Yeah, go back on the air, go to the archives on how.fm and listen back. One of the reasons I choose to talk about my small world and my large brain keeping me trapped in my small world and whatever I uh, take in within it. Uh, is because there, there's a, they, it, it doesn't necessarily hardly ever date itself. That I was very aware going into this that if I did a, a, a podcast or, or, or utilize this medium to talk about you know, current events or, or be constantly in relation to current events, that, that I would have, uh, they would have a shelf life of nothing. They would be dated. I knew that. But I'm not always insulated well, friends. So the other night, I kind of fell down a pit. It's stupid. I did a few sets at the comedy store. Did one good one, pretty good one, where I kind of got out on the ice and dicked around a little bit and paid off. That was the early show in the original room. Then I did the main room, where I just did some good material that I liked to a great audience. I followed Yakov Smirnoff, uh, who, who, who also did well at the comedy store. And I was bringing up Rogan after me, and I, I killed. It was a great set. And then I did a later set in the small room again, the original room. And, and I, I'm trying to work on new material. So in the way I do that is I get on stage and I ramble through some stuff that I think is going to go somewhere. And I, I hope that the great muses, the comedy muses, deliver to me in that moment where a laugh is needed, the, the, the line that I will need to get that. I, I, I wait for it to spontaneously occur, and that sometimes it's a, a longer wait than others, but the premises themselves were funny enough to at least be entertaining, and my struggle with them was funny enough to be entertaining. But I did not receive a transmission. I did not receive a transmission from the comedy muses, from the great, uh, from the great um, whatever, I wish I see that's that's exactly what happened right there. I waited for something, an analogy, a metaphor. I hope it would pop in. Did not pop in. Did I didn't outline this, but it didn't pop in. So I was left hanging and you saw it. You witnessed exactly what happens to me when I'm writing new material on stage. 
doesn't always happen. All right, but it's just part of the process. So I did that, which, you know, I should just be doing the job. I should just be doing the job. I should be entertaining. So I got up on stage, that third show I was doing, and this is this is what sent me spiraling. And you're going to, it's stupid. I was looking for an opportunity to spiral. So I go up there and I riff through some stuff. Didn't work great. Got some laughs. Was trying jokes that worked on the very first show that were new. And, and they just didn't pan out, that third show. Didn't pan out. And I knew that. But I knew it wasn't bad. And I'm in the hall after the set. I'm getting ready to run away in my car because there were friends of mine there to see me and I didn't feel good about the set and I still have that sensitivity. Some guy comes barreling out, an older guy, maybe a little older than me, all lit up, looks like a tourist. He goes, hey, 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 hey. He goes, you're funny, man. You're funny. It was the material, okay? And I go, what? He goes, you're you're funny. You really are funny up there. You know, I can see that you're funny, but the material just wasn't there. And this was a compliment that was negated immediately after it was said. I'm familiar with that. I I utilize that. But the bottom line was, he goes, it's my first time seeing you. I think you're really funny. It's just the material, eh, you know. I'm like, all right, I get it, man. I don't need to hear it three times. But he was right. I should have just done the pro set. I went up there and I noodled around and I had to, I felt that, that tinge of humiliation. This is the downfall of doing comedy is that embarrassment is incredibly disconcerting and uncomfortable. Being embarrassed is a horrible feeling. It's a very tangible feeling. It's not deadly, but it's, 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 it's horrible. And there's no shortage of the opportunity for that when uh, you do stand-up comedy. And one of the reasons I think I did stand-up comedy was to have a certain amount of control over that. But I did go home beating the shit out of myself, realizing like, yeah, that material isn't there. It'll be there. I didn't say that though. I spent a couple days and like, I don't even have it in me anymore. I don't got any material in me anymore. That was the end of it. There's no way I'm going to be able to pull another hour out of my fucking heart and out of my mind. It's over. That's where I went because that motherfucker said that. And I think he was honestly trying to compliment me. (laughs) Where is the Faraday cage for the brain? Where is the Faraday cage? Where is the protective mesh one builds around their inner sanctum of their mind where when there's just a little vulnerability? I usually have one. I've been pretty good with my, my mental Faraday cage of protecting myself from bad energy coming in and collapsing the whole sound of the inside of my inner monologue and dialogue and interpersonal relationship with myself from within. But there was a little vulnerability. There was a little crack in the mesh that night. And that guy just spat out that half compliment and set an electron past my my mesh that protects my mind. And it just started to wreak havoc. By the time I got home, uh, I needed to uh, stuff my feelings with food and to masturbate it all away. And then I woke up feeling gross and shitty and uh, small and human. And uh, not completely sure I would ever be able to do anything funny again. End of story. But let's get now to my guest, Ryan Singer. Ryan Singer, a, 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 a great friend of mine, someone who's been on this show in various capacities over the years, live shows, uh, uh, the uh, creation Creationist Museum show. He's been in here for short interviews. Well, now... 
Now today is Ryan's day. Today is Ryan Singer's day here on WTF. Uh, he's been a good friend to me, and he's a funny guy. I've taken him out on the road with me. He's uh, actually tonight in San Francisco at the Old Purple Onion, which is called uh, Doc's Lab. Uh, and he's got a new CD out called Immortal for Now. And uh, he's a searcher, and he's the real deal. He's out there doing the business, folks. He's out there doing the funny. So let's go now to my conversation with Ryan Singer. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcast. This is it, I guess. This is it. Long time coming, right? Coming down the pike. No, but have you thought that? Have you have you at all harbored any resentment <laughs> or malice <laughs> in your heart with the wise? You know, uh, you know, I'm Marin's friend. Why haven't I done a well? I a mean, full thing. Well, this is where I'm launching from my perspective on this. Yeah. I mean, some people have asked me like, oh, haven't you done a full length one? I was, I was like, well, listen, I've done a live one in Aspen. That was uh -huh. a while ago. Uh -huh. um, I've been in the garage a bunch of times. Yeah. And then I was like, um, I understand where they're coming from, but yeah. they don't understand where I'm coming from or to the degree of all the other things you've done for me. Right. You've helped me out a big time. I mean, yeah. you're my mentor. Oh, come you know? on. So uh, you're, you're driving gonna, my old car. You're going to teach me how to... Uh, polish boots later i will do that i i don't know like that's one of those things where i've got my own style that i think uh, is the right way to go but i imagine <laughs> there are other people that are like don't ever do that with a boot who the fuck told you to do that i feel like you uh polishing boots in my mind the image i have is you trying to like strangle a rabbit or, or like i feel like it would be very no, furious no no it's meditational like i got shit i got all the stuff but okay so let's go back the first time i met you was in cincinnati yeah, Cincinnati years ago. I think I had you sign your book for me. Yeah. You were there. That's back when you were still Air America radio days. Oh, that horrible weekend where no one showed up? Yeah. Well, I mean, except me and a bunch of a bunch of all, Com the, all the comics and in town. Tate. Yeah, and Tate. That was a bad weekend because I'm like I I felt like I didn't want the guy to give me the money. Because oh, yeah, like he had he had he had really assumed that I was going to just pack that place cuz Air America and literally it was the opposite. Yeah, but that th th there's no way that dude would not pay you. I mean, that's the kind of guy he was when he was. He's still he's back there working again yeah. now, but he's not booking the club anymore. But that's the club I came up at. So it's like you can't like in our minds that was never even an issue. But let's talk about the evolution of the wild man because I think at the time I met you, it was just beginning. But there was a time previous to that where you you had a haircut that was a proper haircut. Yeah, uh, you dressed like a road comic. Yeah. You, you seem to be on a different trajectory. <laughs> so let's let's walk it back. So 
you grew up in Ohio. I grew up in Ohio. Yeah, and I, very Catholic family. No, but let's 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 hold up here. So okay. I, you, you grew up in Ohio. How many siblings? I got uh, two, two, two born, and then others through marriage. Sisters, sisters. Yeah, two sisters. No, oh, oh, brother and sister. You got brother and sister. But I've got multiple. I've got a couple stepsisters. A lot of fragmenting. Yeah, a lot of yeah. fragmenting. A lot of babies. But which part of Ohio? Southern Ohio, Dayton, Ohio. Yeah, see, I, I don't know much about Ohio. Ohio is like a, a classic American state. You hear the word Ohio, it never means good things. Yeah, which is interesting to me. And, I, you know, I try not to. I, I take it with a grain of salt out here, especially, you know, when you got the, uh, you know, coast bias out yeah, here. Yeah, sure. You know, everyone calls it the flyover states. But right. You, don't really, you know, you don't really pay attention to that because, you know, a lot of the food comes from there. So it's like, well, I mean, you're eating out here. Oh, so you're like, fuck you. We, we have pigs. Yeah, we have pigs. We and do cows. pigs. My mom and Ann actually have a uh, grass-fed... Uh, cow business that they've been doing for years right now yeah an organic you know no no steroids so, they've been doing it for like 10 years like tomorrow least. you could go visit cows oh yeah hell yeah i do all the time you do they got the horns too the ones that are from like scotland or whatever they look like uh where the wild things are uh-huh. those, those beasts uh yeah and they're uh and they're scary but do they live on the farm they live on the farm your your mom and aunt no my aunt does my aunt lives on the farm that my grandpa and grandma had wait a minute yeah your grandpa and grandma had a cattle farm, or was it well, always? No, a- no, it was not always a cattle farm. What was it? It was a uh, corn farm, and they held on to it. Yeah, my grandpa was an Air Force guy. Uh-huh. He was a, like a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force, and then he bought a bunch of land out there because Wright Pat Air Force Base is out there, it, but outside uh, of Dayton. Outside of Dayton, so uh, a lot of Air Force people out in that area, and, a lot and of they them bought land when it was bought land like, coming back from what years ago from. Uh, wait, like he was a lieutenant colonel during what period in the military? Well, gosh, he was Korean War. Oh, really? Yeah. So there was just land available. There's land a land available. grab. A ton and, of and land. I mean, they you probably could... got a deal, a break for being in the service. Sure. You think? And, oh, yeah. And a ton of acres out there. And a beautiful house. Spent a lot of time out there as a kid growing up. Your grandparents' place? Yeah, my grandparents. On my mom's side. And and how many acres, like, are we talking? I'm, I'm guessing. I don't really know. I'm, I'm guessing at least probably 30, 40 acres. Oh, that's pretty big. Yeah. So, okay. So your mom grows up out there? Sure. And it's a big old farmhouse? Big old farmhouse. And there was corn. No corn. pigs? Lots was there pigs? He didn't do any of the farming. Yeah. They did lease out the land. A lot of people would lease out their land Right. Just the, you guys do it, pay the lease, and yeah. good luck with the give corn. Us a, give us a cut. Yeah. Yeah. But there's always a, a corn subsidies for this or that. You know, they, they do more with corn. I think I might be ingesting corn right now and I don't even know it. You probably I think, are. I think there's corn in the air now. Corn syrup is everywhere. Corn syrup is everywhere and yeah. there's corn other things. I don't know. It's just corn always gets uh, used somehow. And I don't know why the... Why corn? I mean, I guess soybeans are kind of moving in. They're mm-hmm. kind of moving up the uh, the charts. Well, corn is like I I think generally the across the board everyone's decided it's not good. Corn syrup is shitty. It's a it's a horrible sweetener that uh, that gets everybody fat and uh, and you, yeah, it's hard to, to digest it, which is where you get all those classic corn poop jokes. Yeah, <laughs> goes in the same way it comes out. Which corn is no yeah. no point in it. And Popcorn's I was, I was a big fan of those jokes when sure? I was younger. Sure. How can you not be? Yeah, uh, Cheech and Chong. I like the way you got the corn in it for texture, man. I just saw on Instagram today. Tommy Chong is getting ready to release his new mixtape called "Corn in My Shit." <laughs> Never goes away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they grew up out there, and then I spent a lot of time out there as a kid. They would just drop us off during the summers. Of course, but like, no animals back then. No. No, well, they always had a bunch of dogs and cats running around, all kinds of cats and random dogs running around. All over now, the is this the grandmother I hear so much about? That's Grandma Jesus. <laughs> That's what we called her. She was hardcore Catholic. I mean, we're talking like when I was a teenager, if I was dating a girl, the first question out of her mouth was, is she Catholic? Right. 
don't be unequally yoked. And I was like, what I, does that I have mean? no idea what that unequally means. Unequally yoked. It's some biblical term about uh, not being, I guess, Catholic. So you grew up with that shit? I grew up with that shit. Like the, uh, cause we'd get dropped off out there on the farm for like a, you know, a month at a time. It felt like uh-huh. during the summer and uh-huh. we would just, you know, wake up every morning and we'd have to, you know, do all the farm work and all that like kind of what? shit. Like what? If it's, if they're leasing the, the land out. They did have, they had a chicken coop, you know, that's how we went and got our breakfast. We'd go and raid the chicken coop, grab a bunch of eggs and. And then you bring them in the house and your grandma would cook eggs? Yeah. Fresh eggs like that? Fresh eggs like that. And I'll tell you something. It's when you're a little kid, it's scary as hell stealing eggs from From chickens yeah because you're stealing their babies you know what i mean and they don't like that shit (laughs) so you and your brother and your sister are you the oldest no i'm the middle child who's the youngest my sister oh yeah and so yeah but like i did learn a valuable lesson though because there was one uh what is it a rooster or a a rooster i guess yeah the guy who just got to you know i guess have sex with all the chickens Mm -hmm. and i was like my grandma's like yeah that's the guy who yeah. That's the one, you know, and he was the one who got real, the most pissed off when you were in there, just squawking at you. And, um, but yeah, we do that. And I think they did have a cow too, because I milked a cow as a kid. And somewhere. Yeah. It's and, a uh, vague memory. Yeah. I, I remember grabbing those things. Yeah. And there were horses too, because my aunt had, a, was boarding horses. She always kind of lived on a back house on the farm and she would board and like train horses. Yeah. So I remember, uh, there was She's a, bunch a horse of lady, there. horse lady. So a couple donkeys here and there. Really? Uh huh. Donkeys? Yeah, I learned how to ride a horse when I was very young. Can you ride it now? Um, yeah, but I'm probably I'm. I went and saw. I was out there last summer, and they have this big black stallion out there. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous, and I was actually scared to approach it because it'd been so long since I'd been around a horse. You gotta stay and, on the horse. Yeah, yeah, you do. And they are huge <laughs> beasts, man. Yeah, I know they terrify me. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I did ruin a horse once, or uh, a pony. You broke a pony. Well, we because you're not supposed to feed them when you're sitting on them. Yeah. Uh, and I, they always told us that, but we did it anyways because we were stupid little kids, right? Right. And, um, but what happens was they get used to eating while someone's you know doing that. So then this horse wouldn't stop turning its head around and just biting your leg. Yeah, I had that experience. Horrible. When putting a saddle on, they bite you on the side. That's yeah. fucking worse. There's no way. Like dudes who have the mindset to deal with large animals like that, they're just sort of like, they're just dumb fucking animals and I'm the boss. I don't have that. I barely have that with my cat. <laughs> <laughs> and they're the worst because they don't ever register that. Shit. Yeah. No, I can't. Uh, I do love a horse, man. But like, yeah. I couldn't. People are like, oh, I want a horse. I never understood that either. Like, oh, I want a horse. Yeah. I want a horse. Give me a horse. It's what? like, you want a horse? Yeah. <laughs> like A lot of responsibility. Yeah. Like, that's a, that's a fucking horse. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, so you're getting eggs. Uh, Grandma Milking Jesus cows. is cooking oh, Grandma Jesus is filling us with, uh, you know, filling us with like Book of Revelations type shit. Where's like, your where? So where are your parents during this? They just oh, drop you off at Jesus Farm. Oh yeah, and they're on their own. Yeah, I mean they're both raised in Catholic. You know, big, large, strictly. But Catholic what's the families. background? The background. But you're not Italian. You're not Polish. Irish. You're not mostly oh, you're Irish. Irish. Oh, okay. Mostly Irish Catholic. Yeah, uh, I Scottish. See it. German, English, French, I think, uh-huh, too. Uh-huh. But, uh, but mostly Irish. My mom says it's the black Irish where I get the hair. I think so. I, I'm just seeing that now. I never yeah. realized it, but you're like some crazy Mick. Yeah. Yeah. So That makes sense. But it's so funny because, like, you know, the rooster thing that, like, a lot of your you, a lot of your bits now, your broad crazy man bits, you know, have to do with uh, survival and persistence and mysticism and, and biological things to a certain degree. It's all growing, man. The yeah, vision. it's all growing. The, uh, I've kind of transitioned. It's interesting because like, when I first started comedy, I was kind of this same style, but I couldn't get work. 
because I was just too, I was too much of a maniac. I didn't know how to write a joke yet, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I would go on stage. I'd be like, I'm an artist. Don't tell me what to do. Yeah. You know, I can say everything I want. That's the and, way to uh, go. And so then five years later, I'm like, oh, I'm still just at open mics. Well, let's go back. So tell me about the Catholicism that was dumped into your head. Because I, I think Catholics get a little mad at me because sometimes I'm dismissive or even uh, seemingly anti-Catholic. But it is a pretty big mind fuck. Oh, yeah. And it is. It, it gave me a, a great blueprint for what I really am into now in life, which is like that, you know, that mysticism of the universe and all that kind of stuff. So that's funny. So you transcended the 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 sort of mundane yet ornate mysticism of the Catholic Church, but the template was there, so you just started filling it in randomly with your own information. Yeah, I don't need Jesus. I got crystals, Doc. <laughs> That's no good. No. <laughs> Why not, I guess? But so what, were you terrified of your grandmother or how No, crazy? she was a tiny little lady. Yeah. Tiny little lady. And she was a living saint, you know, according to everybody. So, and, but you know, you don't want to miss yoke or whatever. So, okay. Yeah, so what else she was very she... Catholic. Like she told me, I mean, she had pretty much convinced me that I was, I mean, I guess I didn't need much of a push, but even as a little kid, I think I was kind of a megalomaniac or a little egomaniac. Yeah. Um, you know, convinced me that I was very special. Yeah. You know, that's uh, what grandma's job. Yeah, exactly. A good grandma's job. But this is was, to... I think this went a little above and beyond to the point where she's like, you know, the Virgin Mary will come to you in a vision probably because you're very special. Oh, really? And then she gave me guidelines about like when how to know happened. if it's the Virgin Mary or if it's Lucifer pretending to be the Virgin Mary, which Wait, happens. Really? Yeah. Uh, if, um, if the Virgin Mary appears to you yeah. and is not barefoot. Uh-huh. That's when you know it's the devil oh posing as the Virgin Mary to try right. to trick you into some shit. Make note of that, Catholics. Yeah. So uh, she told me that. I, I remember I had one of the most distinct images I, I, or memories I have in my life as a little kid. We'd always go to church constantly with them when we were out there. And they'd have like little cafeteria luncheons afterwards. And one time we were just hanging out at the farmhouse. And she showed me. She's like, do you want to see a miracle? And I was like, oh, I'm like six, seven years old. I'm like, hell yeah, I want to see a miracle. Yeah. And she shows me this picture of the lunch line of the church cafeteria and there's a space in between two people in line yeah and in the middle is a floating virgin mary and a picture yeah this like, is before show, photoshop this is way before photoshop this is what 1983 or yeah. something and uh she's like that's the virgin mary she was captured in this photo and uh-huh. i was like whole, and i was like this will be the thing even as a little kid i was like this will be the thing that forever cements my faith in god that picture. That picture, you right? You bought it. I bought it. I right. was in. How old and were you? I, I, I can't remember exactly. I was somewhere between like six and nine years old. Wow. And so then for the rest of my life, that was the one thing that I, no matter how far away I got from the church, which was very, very far, I always had that one thing like stuck in my brain. That, like, that, well, I've seen the Virgin Mary in, in a, a cafeteria photo, right? line picture. Yeah. And so then before she died, this was, I don't know, maybe like six or seven years ago, I was hanging out out there. And I was at like, the farm still at the farm. She's still out there. She yeah. stayed there till the end. Uh huh. And my grandpa did too up until the, this past year. He it, passed away a yeah. year ago. She was eighty nine, or no, he was eighty nine when he yeah. passed away, and she was, I think, eighty seven. Wow. But uh, so what happened was, I, I she would always ask me like, "Are you going to church?" Blah blah blah. And I'd always lie and say yes. And uh, I was like, you know what? The one thing that's always held me on. You know, I've always had in my mind, and I was like, that picture you showed me of the Virgin Mary when I was a little kid. And she just looks at me and she goes, what? And I go, remember you had a picture from the church where the Virgin Mary was floating? And she goes, oh, um, no, I don't, I don't remember that. And then like instantly I just remembered like feeling like, oh, it's all, it's all gone now. 
Like, <laughs> because you don't forget a miracle, right? Like right, right. to me, that's the way I that's the way I rationalize it. Like you right. can't forget a miracle happening. And then someone told me, well, well, if your grandma was as religious as you know you say she was, she probably experienced miracles all the time. So this was no big deal to her. And I was like, no, you remember showing your grandchild a photo of the Virgin Mary? She was eighty-seven. Still, I mean, that was How- enough. It was enough for me to finally release all of that really that moment that moment it was gone what other shit did she tell you what it, about like oh, well, so, you, so you saw the miracle when i was younger she told me like i would show up at school like when i was a kid how often were you going to church when you were a kid did you every go- sunday uh every sunday with the family and then every friday at school because i went to catholic church for 12 years so every friday we'd have oh, school so you mass. were really in well i was i had to I, well when i was a real little kid up until about 11 i wanted to be a priest i had the whole mass memorized like I would, that's why you were special. That's why I was special, right? I thought I was like the next chosen leader of God. Like that's oh, your your grandmother had instilled that. She in had you? instilled to me that it was essentially it was it was Moses, Jesus, Ryan Singer out of Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's been waiting for that. Singer kid. I mean, I really thought I was going to be at the you know the front lines yeah. of the war because she Which told war? me the war between the devil and God. Oh. You know, the second coming of Jesus that would open up. You know, that would be the big battle for everyone's souls and she told me that it would happen in her lifetime and you know she's been dead now for about six or seven years it's probably happening you're yeah. just you're just out of the loop yeah or, you or, might be on yeah. the wrong side yeah now. or maybe this is hell or heaven or purgatory nah, or whatever nah nah it's happening <laughs> no if it's happening it's happening it's happening on but Twitter. this is not yeah heaven or hell this is earth and uh it's you know it's a troubled place yeah but there's no indication that that war is not going on it's just really how you frame it isn't it <laughs> and apparently you've given up your leadership potential yeah and now we're just a lost planet because ryan singer you know decided to hang his hope on bullshit just waiting for that moment where they come and they come and get me out of the the you know the doldrums or whatever and say we need you now you well, you'd be, how open are you, you well know? hey man i am uh, you know my 2016 schedule is pretty open right now so <laughs> be be ready for the message from the almighty hey ryan uh, your grandmother just reminded me up here that <laughs> yeah yeah well you know I, I went by the peacemaker as a little kid like i gave myself that nickname you were the peacemaker? I was the peacemaker, yeah. I would go around recess in school breaking up fights. I'd be like, stop fighting the peacemakers here. You got to stop fighting. And really? Then, oh, yeah. So she really filled you up? She really filled me up. I mean, I got in trouble in mass in school because I'd be performing, doing all the things, and the nuns would be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, uh, you're, you, they thought I was mocking the ceremony. Right. And I was like, no, I'm practicing. You don't yeah. understand. Like, yeah. I already, like, even as a kid, I was like, I'm I'm better than this guy is. Yeah. Like, this it. guy is boring as fuck. Like, yeah. Like get me get the peacemaker up there. Let's get some charisma happening in this mass. You know what I mean? I can light this thing up, <laughs> riff a little bit. Yeah, do some riffing. The homilies were, you know, I was like, oh, go off book on the homilies. That's when like they tell their stupid jokes. You know, some of them, some priests actually had a little bit of sense of humor, and those ones were like they were living gods. Like if you ever went, like people would say, oh, this priest, you got to come to this mass because this priest is hilarious. Yeah, and so I'd be like, okay, I'd check it out, and. uh and it was a guy who told a street joke. Yeah. That was the guy not who Not even was, using his own shit. Yeah, not even using his own shit. But but that's interesting. So you were you you believed in hell. Oh yeah. I don't have a memory of learning hell. That's how strong it is. Still a little bit probably if I was to be honest. Like I don't remember learning about it. It's always been there. That's like a real that really framed my life, you know. The idea of, of burning? Oh god. Was yeah. it tangible? I mean, the well, peacemaker was uh, you know, b- before you 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 realized that the devil was pulling at you but yeah i guess you knew that he was pulling at you every day right well sure yeah as the peacemaker when you saw a couple of kids fighting in the in the playground you're like oh lucifer 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I better go get him out of there. Yeah, yeah. The devil is yeah. is fucking with my friends. Oh, I better go beat the shit out of that yeah. devil over there. Yeah. The I always and then I learned how to masturbate. That's when I realized that was a big moment. Really? That's when I was like, well. Because you you're taught that that's you're when you start negotiating. Sure, you start yeah. negotiating. <laughs> like, how bad could hell be? Yeah, how bad could hell be? Good? And so then uh, you know, slowly but surely, I shed the uh, the peacemaker after that. And, and now you're uh, the masturbator. And now is the masturbator. <laughs> I am the lizard king. Yeah, and that's about around the same time I realized. That, well, yeah, you know, wait, how old were you then? I was probably around eleven. That's when we started jerking off. Yeah. I think that's when I first did too. I think yeah. that's about the year. That's when I transitioned from just laying on my belly on a mattress, yeah, and waiting for something to happen, yeah, to, to like actually taking, taking letting control the devil, of the situation. yeah, letting, the, the, letting devil. the devil enter. Yeah, it's like the devil said, you know, you can make this you know, more fun, and if you turn over and you actually get active with this, <laughs> not rely so much on like weirdly rubbing the fucking mattress. <laughs> never, I never was that guy. There, I know guys you never like were, went full bore into that, it. No, that fucked pillows or fucked the mattress. It's yeah. sort of like. I had a weirder way. I, I've talked about it before. I, it was sort of like my, and it was, I've never heard anyone say it. Like literally the first few times that I fucking jerked off, it was like filling a bath up and that water shooting out of the spigot, I just stick my dick in there. <laughs> I don't know how it if it happened by that mistake show, that or shows whatever. That how like uh, you know in touch so, with your feminine side you were. I guess so. It's a little girly. Hear, yeah, because you hear about like shower heads all the time yeah. with women and so, yeah, yeah. Even at a young age, you were in touch with your feminine side. I guess so. That's good. I guess yeah. And I I kind of jerked off weird for for a good part of my life. It was weird. It was almost it was girly a little bit. Yeah. The uh, well, there. I mean, mine was real loaded. Like I mean, with with guilt and shame. And the all first that time you stuff. grabbed hold well, of your dick, you were like, "Here we, this is it." Like I remember, I'll never forget the day because then I could hear friends in the back. One of my best friends lived right behind me. Yeah, and my other best friend lived right next door to him. Uh -huh. and we were all the same age, and the one kid had a trampoline, so there was always kids there, mm -hmm. just jumping around and having a good time. Yeah, and I was it was after school. I jerk off for the first time. And then I can hear them all out laughing and having a good time. I'm like, oh, they're laughing at me because I just jerked off. Because this was also like part of, this was in an age, 1987 or whatever, where it's like, if you jerked off, you were gay. Really? And like being- What kind of fucking world did you grow up in? Well, I grew up in that Catholic- Jewish kids were like, you jerking you know, off? Yeah, I'm jerking off. Really? Yeah. How often do you jerk off? Twice a day? Really? That's good. Well, Wait. it wasn't until I was in high school that that really became a topic for dudes. Oh, so you mean when you're 11 or 12, you're, you're... Yeah, when I was 11, like, it was, you know... You were probably ahead of the pack. And being gay was, like, a real big problem, because you were going to burn in hell for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you're so, also going to burn in hell for just jerking off. Yeah, so, so like, it's, it's like, you're double... jerking off, that means you're, you're, you're touching a dick, so you want to touch a dick, so you must be gay. Really? That was uh, the thought? You're, I mean... I guess that makes you know, sense. You're a little kid, you don't know much. Right, so, right. So... Uh, so then I go outside afterwards to go play. Full of shame. Full of shame. And I just, they all know. They yeah. all just know I've just yeah. jerked off. The peacemaker is dark. Yeah. And so then, you know, sometimes I would just, I would just kind of like go home from school and just jerk off. <laughs> really? And then yeah, just yeah. like lay in shame? Yeah. Just lay in shame. Now, did your grandmother, did you feel guilty around your grandmother after that? Did Once you started jerking I off? I tried not to think about it when I was around my grandmother. I mean, like, I mean, I felt guilty because I, because I also started smoking cigarettes at the same time. At 11? I kind of had a hard break from this, like, God thing. I, like, I went, like, I was- At 11? I went all in. After That's when you I first masturbated smoked. and then yeah. you smoked? That's when I smoked for, for the first time. Now, how did your, did time. your grandmother characterize the, uh, the battle that you were supposed to lead? Did you, was- Not there... really. I mean, my grandma mostly had stuff about, like, you're very special, um, you know, Jesus is going to come back in my lifetime, so you'll be able to witness that. Um, and then she would fill me with other stories. Like she went to Medjugorje, which is like a retreat place for like, you know, Catholics uh -huh. uh, where miracles all always happen. And then, 
she would always just tell me about, oh, some some priest found a diary in an ancient ruin and it has all these predictions. And, you know, there's going to Virgin Mary's going to appear over New York City on Christmas Eve. And so I'd go to school and I'd tell all my friends, the Virgin Mary's going to appear over New York City on Christmas Eve. And there's going to be a great punishment and all this other kind of stuff. And then none of it would ever happen. Uh, and so everybody would be like, hey, Peacemaker, what happened? I thought the Virgin well, Mary was what's, what's your mother doing? Where's she at? She's just kind of, you know, being she Catholic? She's still Catholic. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know really anymore, but at the time she was. So your parents are married at this time when you're 11 yeah. and jerking off? Mm-hmm. And smoking cigarettes? What's smoking your old cigarette. man? Your old man's pretty Catholic? Yeah, also raised in a Catholic family. Yeah, what's pretty he do? Catholic. He's a judge now, but at the time he was a lawyer. Uh-huh. And, or he was in law school when I was very young. Oh, but, really? Uh, yeah. And... So I just learned the other day we were on food stamps. My mom will probably be, would get pissed off if I told people because she's kind of she likes status and yeah. that kind of thing. But uh, I just learned the other day. Not a great time. lawyer then, huh? Well, no, not yet. Uh-huh. No. He, oh, well, you mean when he was in law school? When sure. he was in law school, and so then you know, then he went into title, the title business. Had a title business, got pretty successful. Then it crashed in like the early '90s and that recession. I don't even happened. know what it is. And then it's like when people when you buy a house, you uh, have to sign a title and that uh, kind of shit. And then. Uh, and then he kind of built it back up after almost going bankrupt and then got a job as a judge. Got a job as a judge. Well, I mean, he, he ran for, uh, he, you have to be elected because uh-huh. he was a county judge. And he actually, his first time he ever ran for election, I was I just dropped out of college and I was moving to Los Angeles to do stand-up. And as I was very young. And I mean, oh, so you came out here before? I've been out here a bunch of times. <laughs> like failure, I've really embraced failure. Oh, so you came out and you fought the beast. I fought the beast. And then you and went back. Yeah, I went back. I had, you know, my first mental breakdown. Well, I, I've never had a second one, but uh, anyway, I moved with a guy who's Hold dad, on, hold I on. I moved with a guy who uh, my dad was running against. It was his father. Oh, really? Yeah, so we had a bet at the time. Whoever's dad won the election. The other person had to. Well, let's up. let's 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 backtrack. So you're jerking off. You're smoking cigarettes. You're 11. Your mom's Catholic. You're dealing with your dad, uh, being a lawyer. When did they break up? When I was about uh, 16. And he was already a judge. No, not yet. Uh. He wasn't a judge till about seven years ago. And what kind of judge is he? Conservative judge. He is conservative, but uh, he's a Republican. But I think he would probably declare himself more of a. He probably leans libertarian. So he's not a social conservative. He's a fiscal conservative, and uh, but very socially progressive. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like you know, he's he's okay with you jerking off and being gay. Yeah. I mean, he recently just yeah for sure, <laughs> yeah, for sure. He recently started a uh, woman's court in uh, Montgomery County, Ohio, which I think there's only one other uh, court like it uh, in the country. And he's, you know, really into, like, fighting human trafficking. I mean, he's, my dad is probably the best dude I know. That's good. Yeah. And you get along? Oh, yeah, we get along great. He's okay with your life decisions? Yeah, he is. I think he's filled with worry. Yeah. But uh, they, that's, that's okay. usually what it is. Yeah. They're concerned. But always been very supportive. Oh, uh, that's good. Yeah. And your mom? Yeah, always supportive as well. You get along with her all right? Get along with her all right, you know. She's, uh, we kind of have like a reverse relationship, though. What's that Like, mean? I'm almost, the, the parent. I, I have to tell her, like, you need to call me back. <laughs> oh, no. And she'll be like, oh, I'm sorry, I know. I and she's out there on the on the horse farm? No, she's out, she lives with my stepdad in just the suburbs. How's that guy? He's great. Oh, good. He's an architect guy. He's a real, uh, this is how This is how he uh, introduces himself oh, to yeah. everybody. He says, hey, Jim Tinney, Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> Like to everybody, it doesn't matter who you are. That's how he introduces himself. Mm-hmm. Guy who's been working since he was fourteen years old. He's like seventy-one now, and I think he's being like forced into retirement by my mom. Mm-hmm. 
Because I mean, what's the guy? He, I don't, he's the kind I, of guy better, who doesn't know she what he's doing. Uh, she better be careful what she hopes for. Yeah, right. You get the guy that can't stop working, and you make him stop working. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to be around each other all day because both of them need hearing aids, but they won't admit it. So it's just like constant arguments over yeah. things that the other person they think is ignoring them right. when they just don't hear each other. I think I'm getting to that point. I'm, I'm yelling at my girlfriend like, "Can you just talk like in a normal tone so I don't have to be like <laughs> what, what?" Have you had your hearing tested recently? What? Exactly. I have not had it tested. You should. I mean, I don't know why. It's a vanity thing, I guess. Why people don't want hearing aids? Yeah. I, no, I, I don't think I need a hearing aid. So, you, what, you made it through high school? Made it through high school. You smoking a lot of cigarettes? Smoking lots of cigarettes. But, and Dipping, doing... chewing tobacco. I mean, I'm a Southern Ohio boy. Tell me point. about that fucking double thing, that horrible thing you told me about dipping where you do a full face. What is that thing? Oh, the mouthpiece? Ugh. Oh, my God. Yeah, the mouthpiece. I think I only tried the mouthpiece once. It's when you fill your upper lip and your lower lip with just dip. And it's the worst. You can't breathe or you can't do anything. Your mouth just But is dipping con- is so specific. It's like, it's not, I didn't grow up with it. I can't keep that shit together in my mouth. I would have, but like you just, you're you one gotta of those You got to get guys. the long cut. That's why. I know, but you could dip regular Copenhagen, couldn't you? Sure. I, I For a while, I did do regular Copenhagen. But it's like, where'd you learn that shit? Is that just a my buddy, My thing? buddy, Eric Nagel taught me. Well, the only re- and the only reason I dipped, because I was, I was never that drawn to it other than the fact that I loved baseball mm-hmm. and a ton of baseball players dipped right and so i don't know the first time i ever tried it dude i mean i must have been 15 yeah i almost fell down the steps i was buzzing so hard yeah and i was like yeah i'm doing this <laughs> <laughs> i'm doing this dude yeah, yeah. i mean because that's how it was with cigarettes too yeah. like i also heard that cigarettes lowered your voice that's right. why i started smoking because i was like the last one of all my friends to hit puberty uh-huh. So I kind of had a high pitched voice. I was like, "Oh, I don't know where I even heard that shit." And now, and then that, and that leads to like me and you being stuck in a lifelong struggle with fucking nicotine. Yeah, I mean, I've been about three months clean now. But you're on and off. You're throwing the book at me. You've given me that book three times. Yeah, I've read that book seventeen times. <laughs> it works every time I read it. I mean, someone's like, "I think you might be addicted to reading the book," and I was like, "Well, maybe I should just smoke again so I can get another hit. <laughs> get another hit of that book, kid." That's a, the way the addict mind justifies doing it. I do think about. I mean. I, Although when I see smokers now, I kind of pity them, you know, when it's cold outside. Mm-hmm. But when it's summertime, I'm like, oh, they're living it. They're living the dream. I, I stay on these lozenges and it doesn't, like, I don't really think about smoking the actual cigarettes because it just, to me, it's just like fucking death sticks, like just burning my lungs out. But you did, you, when you go out, you fucking go out. When I go out, I'm like, this last time over this past summer, uh, when I went out, dude, I was, I, you know, because it'd been almost five years since I had done it. So I wasn't in the e-cig game yeah. and all that kind of stuff. These were all new. So I was e-cigging, dipping, smoking. I never did stogies. What's never your brand? Really I do camel lights or Marlboro lights. Although mm. when I was a kid, I loved Newports or like Salem lights. Yeah, I was a Marlboro Red. See, I, never went, I never went Marlboro Reds. Those were a little too... I did the mediums for a while. Yeah, they weren't around when I was a yeah. kid. Yeah, I mean, I, was, I remember when Marlboro lights came out. Yeah. Like light cigarettes, like there was only, there was regular cigarettes and merits or true, you know, those were the ones and those were awful. Merits so you remember awful. when they came out and now they can't even call them lights anymore. Well, now there's 90 different types of Marlboros. They just yeah. trying to figure out how to keep people smoking those things. 
I eventually switched to Marlboro Lights and Camel Lights. I thought Camel Lights were more like Marlboros. I tried Winston's. I tried Camel Straights. I tried Lucky Strikes. I've tried Pall Malls, Old Golds, because uh, Tom Waits talked about Old Golds. There was a period there in high school where I smoked every fucking cigarette. Newports, because somebody mentioned, I think Keith Richards mentioned Newports once. Marlboro Menthols, which were hard to find, which made those cool because the box was like the red box, but it was green. Yeah, But yeah. you couldn't find them. That, they weren't around much. I tried Balkan Sabrani fancy cigarettes, Nat Sherman fancy cigarettes. I fucking love cigarettes. Of I even any tried kind. those skinny ones. Those, uh, no. I call them the Slim Jim ones no. or whatever, those lady no. cigarettes. Those no I even tried those. Virginia Slims. I, Virginia Slims. That's, yeah. that's the one. There and, were always dudes that smoked those. They were like weird old Southern guys would smoke yeah. those things, the long, thin ones. I never did the holder, though, the cigarette holder. No, I tried it, but it was stupid. There was some no filter cigarettes where, like, you know, I'm glad I couldn't handle it physically, but they were the best. First cigarette I ever smoked was a Camel non-filter. Camel non-filters were good, but Lucky's were great. Lucky's taste great. There's a sweetness to them. They smell good. <laughs> Your eyes are all lit yeah. up right up. Palm Mall's not bad. The Palm Mall no filter, pretty yeah. good. Pretty good cigarette. I think the, the appeal to the non-filter to me was like, oh, this is like drugs. Yeah, it's hardcore. Yeah. But it's hard to maintain because you can't smoke as many as you want because they literally hurt you. Yeah. And they burn your fucking fingertips. <laughs> yeah. And you and get all lips. brown. I've had brown fingers, dude. You ever had brown fingers? Yeah. I Well, I've never had brown fingers as much as I've had just like totally white gums, which is the scariest moment of I my life. I just remembered the brown fingers thing. How much did I have to fucking smoke? A, a ton. Like I had fucking brown fingers, dude. I never got brown fingers. I and got just slightly sort of yellowish, but I never went brown. Never well, went I mean, full yeah, brown. but there, you were nicotine stain on your fucking fingers. Yeah, the worst. Yeah, I, I remember having that and just being like, I guess I'm, I mean, I would smoke a pack and a half a day at the high point. Oh man, I hope I'm, I'm, hope I'm not dying. I smoked a lot of <laughs> cigarettes, dude. We're all dying. I know. Oh, I, was, I, I was fantasizing about a Lucy the other day, like just one of those Lucy's. What are they? Oh, just a loose cigarette, one of oh, those yeah, loose yeah, ones yeah. where you just put it wherever you can yeah, find yeah. to put it. Like I was like, oh man, those places loose sell them for a nickel. Oh yeah, so like yeah, I got into uh, so I don't know, I don't know what. I'll broke. smoke a cigar every once in a while, but I got to be careful. I with could those never two. get into them. Yeah, I All can't right, so, help. I can't help but inhale. So you make it through high school. I make it through high school, dipping and smoking. Dipping and, and you, smoking. Did you do well in high school? I did okay. I I, I was like a C. And then you go to I college? Never try. I didn't do anything. I didn't try. Driving around smoking and drinking. What about drugs? Drugs, I was. Uh, I smoked a lot of weed in high yeah. school. Uh, a friend of mine, his dad, we figured out, he figured out his dad yeah. grew it on their farm. Oh, and, and he, he had found a freezer it? full of it. Of buds? And so I smoked weed almost every day from like middle of my sophomore year through the end of my high school career. Uh, I miss for weed. For free. I miss it. God damn it. We would just have bonfires and just stare at, you know, yeah. UFOs and shit. Yeah. I, the first time I ever smoked weed was out of a corn cob pipe that I made with a pocket knife and a hollow stick. And it was a magical moment mm-hmm. in my life. And then, uh, unfortunately, the dude's mom figured out that we were smoking her husband, his dad's weed. And I remember one night we were at this bonfire, right? Just smoking weed, having a good time, being listening to Hank Jr. Yeah. Having the best time of our life. Right? Well, Hank Jr. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> and uh, so... And all of a sudden, his dad shows up with a wheelbarrow, just filled with bricks of marijuana. And then next thing you know, you see, and he's got a look on his face that's yeah. like, he's going to kill somebody. Yeah. And then his mom shows up, and she goes, do it. And then he has to dump all of the weed onto the bonfire. And that was probably the first time I saw a grown man cry. And then I, I was like, I'm never going to see my buddy again. What like, was the point of that? 
she found out that we were smoking it, and so she made him burn it all. As, as of, what? An example? or I guess. So what we, a fucked up weird thing to and do. And so then it was about a month later, or maybe a month or two later when he's like, it's, supply's been replenished, you know, so he, he was growing. You know, he Who, your buddy? It. Yeah, yeah. So then we were back in the game. <laughs> I don't even understand the mental, the logic of that. Yeah, I don't was know. It to, to, she was to, also our like kindergarten teacher when we were kids. You know? Oh, so it was to, 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 like she was punishing him mm-hmm. as an example to you that weed yeah. is bad. Like she just caught him or something. Yeah. Look so, what you did to these kids. Now go show them. Yeah. These Holy ki- fuck. These, ki- these kids believe in magic now. You yeah. really fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel, Satan? <laughs> yeah, so, but it was weird because, uh, you know, I don't know. I, then when I was about 21, 22, like we just broke in my brain and just didn't, it wasn't, and then I started having panic and anxiety attacks when I'd get high and it just stopped being fun. So yeah. I was like, well, the only reason I did it is because it was so much fun. Did you move on to other narcotics? Um, not until I was older. Yeah. Uh, when I got, when I was like, I don't know, maybe 27, I got into cocaine for a little while. Oh, that's later. But so what happened? Yeah. So you, did you go to college? I uh, went to college, went to uh, Bowling Green State University for about four years, studied theater, dropped out. I was like, you know, no one's asking De Niro for his diploma. When but did you set. do plays and stuff? Um, I did like one one uh, short, uh, what are they called, one act plays. Yeah. The only reason I studied theater is because I knew I wanted to do stand up. And I was like, I need to get comfortable on stage. When did you know that? Uh, probably when I was in high school. Why? Because, uh, yeah, uh, my family, all the adults, all mm-hmm. my aunts and uncles, they would, they'd be laughing their ass off watching Carson. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, that's... I want to make adults laugh. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. That's that's where the juice is. Fuck yeah. my fuck my friends. Right. But uh, if you can make an adult laugh, you're doing something. Right. And I was like, so then I realized what stand up comedy was. Right. And who were your guys? My guys uh, very early on were you know Cosby and uh, mostly Richard Pryor. I loved him and yeah. Carlin. But because I remember the first the first album I ever heard was himself, mm-hmm. which I no longer own. But the uh, I mean all that Cosby. So it's just so. So that whole thing is so loaded now. Yeah. But uh, but then the first album I ever tried to listen to was Is It Something I Said by Pryor. Right. My dad had the vinyl in his trunk, and I was with him and my uncle, and they were shopping, and they popped the trunk, and I grabbed that album because I wanted to listen to it. I was just a kid. Yeah. Because it just looked cool. Yeah. He's like, no, you can't Because he's in hell. Yeah. He's like, you can't listen to this, but you, you can listen to this one. And he gave me himself instead. And the first album- That's I, so funny. You, yeah. can, you can listen to the, the, uh, the family-friendly black man. Exactly. Yeah. So then uh, the first comedy album CD I ever bought was the Is It Something I Said. And now when my dad and I are on long, if we're on a road trip, we'll listen to it. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Isn't it fun to listen to a comedy record with somebody, and especially one that you know where you're both kind of looking at each other for oh, the yeah. thing and you hope it still works? Oh, yeah. Is it still going to work, that joke for yeah. us? Yeah, that, and, and, and that album sure does. Oh, yeah, it's great. All right, so, so you drop out of your theater program. And what, you go back to Dayton and you pack your car? What happens? Yeah, I go to Dayton. You don't do save, any stand-up yet? Save up some money. I think I'd been on, I think I did open mic maybe a handful of times. Where? Three or four times at a club in Dayton called Jokers, which is closed now when a funny bone moved in. But uh, I did maybe three or four open mics. And I was like, I'm ready for the Tonight Show. And you were doing your crazy shit? I was just, yeah, I was all over the place. I was doing like, one of my big bits at the time was I was skull-fucking the devil. Uh, that was like, you know, it's like, so you'd seen some Hicks. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was also, yeah, I was a big Kinison guy yeah, too, yeah, you know, sure. cause of all the, uh, the religious stuff I yeah, really, yeah. I could really relate to. He's got some great religious stuff. Yeah. And so, uh, I moved out to LA. You did, did that thing, got a job at the ice house, work in the box office. You moved to LA in what year? Gosh, I think it was like 99. 
Wow. It must have been 99. Okay. And I was like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a stand-up now. And I was, I don't know, maybe 22 years old, 23 years old at the most. And Where are you living? I was living in uh, Burbank uh-huh. with my buddy in an the apartment. The guy whose father ran for judge. Yeah, whose dad beat my dad. Oh, really? The, the first yeah. time? Uh-huh. So, but your dad eventually got elected? He eventually got appointed because someone retired. Oh, so okay. the governor appointed him or whatever. <laughs> so you're with that dude. You're yeah. both judges' kids. Yeah, we're Is both judges' Catholic kids. Is he Catholic too? Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. And so we, uh, his What's dad- What's he want to do out here? He was, he moved out to be an actor and he had graduated from Bowling Green. And how'd he do? Is he still out here? Uh, yeah, he's still out here. Is he working? No, I don't think he's doing acting anymore. Oh, okay. But he, but he stayed out here. Uh-huh. So, uh, I so moved out there, and then I'm I'm also working at some Scientology title company in Glendale. You're, okay, so you're working the door at the Ice House. I'm working the box office. Okay, so you so, got in with what? So I got name? in, and so then, uh, but I was losing. I didn't work there very long because I was losing money working there because I'd always try to. I'd sneak away from the box office to go try to peek in because, like, oh, Arsenio Hall showed up to do a drop in set. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's a good <laughs> so, club. Yeah, and so I would sneak away. I'd come back. And they had so many different tickets that I would always, always fuck it up. Right. So I'd have to go to the ATM that's still in the bar there. And I'd have to take like 30 bucks every night. Because you fucked up the Because I didn't want to get fired. Right. I'd I'd fuck it. So I was like losing money working there. Yeah. And it wasn't very long because uh, it wasn't shortly after that. I just kind of like had a split from, I just freaked out and had a meltdown and moved back. What does that mean, dude? I don't know. I was just driving around my car screaming. Wait, so you're doing, you're watching comedy, you're losing money, you're working for the Scientologist. Did they ever come after you? No. Uh, how'd you know it was Scientology front? Because uh, a dude, of my, uh, a friend of mine, a guy I made buddies with who was working there, he was like behind me in a cubicle. Yeah. He told me that everybody here is a Scientologist, man. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh yeah? And he's like, oh yeah, you can't talk about it. And then one day he's like, I got this book. I need to give it to you. It's in my trunk, but don't say anything about it. I was like, okay, whatever. And then like an hour later, this woman who was like the boss, she shows up and I overheard this conversation. I can't remember his name. I think it was Corey. She's like, Corey, we know you have that book. Because he had gotten in, but then gotten out somehow, right? Scientologist? Yeah. And uh, like he started to go into it and then pulled himself out. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And they're like, she's like, we know you have that book. Give it to us or we will come take it from you. And he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about, right? And then it was the weirdest thing. And then we get in an elevator to go to lunch. And she hit the up button instead of the down. And everybody on the elevator freaked out because she made a mistake, like a mechanical mistake, which she was like advanced enough in Scientology where she wasn't supposed to make those kind of mistakes anymore and everybody just fucking lo- like was freaking out and I'm like I can't be working this is crazy <laughs> what, how were they freaking out like oh they were no. just like oh my god you you and she goes I don't know how I, I I don't I've never I don't and they're like what did you do you hit the and I'm like what the fuck she hit the wrong button man I do that shit every day yeah but uh and that was your sign and so i was just kind of like driving around like screaming at myself like what is you know and i kind of had like a mental i don't it was weird man i don't know i was just like super like i was just lost but like what was your head doing my head was like filled with anger and it was filled with just confusion i didn't know what i was doing and i was also having like this religious relapse is where it was kind of coming from like what is the purpose of my life like an existential crisis i guess is what you call it so you were mad at yourself that you weren't doing comedy or you probably were that was a big part of it because I wasn't doing stand up at all. And like you know, being out here without a purpose is horrifying. Yeah, because you know that everything you want to do is in some office somewhere, sure, or on a stage, and you just get isolated in this weird way, and your brain goes away. It happened to me, man. But yeah. I was on a lot of coke. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't in that yet. I was like, uh, I you know, I was still drinking. You know, I was just drinking every once in a while. But I, you know, I never. Were there women involved? 
No, I mean, I was living on a mattress in the corner of the apartment at this oh, point. See, that's the worst. With like a tapestry just blocking me off. And one of our roommates and her and her boyfriend were always up super late at night smoking weed and yeah. watching TV, which was like four feet away from my bed. Oh, so so I like, never I never slept because I was working two jobs. Sleep deprivation's bad. Yeah, I was sleep deprived. And, and I it's was that just, classic yeah. sort of like LA hopelessness where you're, you've sacrificed all the comforts of life to sort of pursue this vague dream and you're sleeping on a fucking floor. Yeah, it was the worst. And then uh, uh, one day I just had a, I just started slowly cracking a little bit, right? And then I started having, well, I'm doing the most selfish profession in the world. Stand-up comedy. It's solitary. Like, are everyone you needs doing to pay spots? attention to me. No, but I'm saying like in my mind, right, my okay. dream, right? So my dream it, life. Right, right. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to burn in hell. That's like the most selfish thing you can be. Like, uh, And so then I, oh, wow. so so I, go back to, I go back to Ohio and I just don't leave like the house for like weeks. I just, I'm like totally just locked into this religious like- Beating the shit yeah, out of yourself. Yeah, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna burn in hell. I need to. Fucking, you, I need to get my life back. Did you I'm seek a, your grandmother for counsel? No, I didn't. I just, I didn't seek anybody. Did you go for to church? Counsel. I started going to church. Oh boy. Um, I started, uh, but I couldn't get away from stand up, so I got a job waiting tables at a club. Which one, Jokers? Jokers. Uh-huh. And because uh, I, even though I was like, I'm not doing this, you know, subconsciously my brain was like, you're not getting away from this. But shit, you're like, right? it's like almost that weird self-flagellation thing. Like you felt like you deserved to be punished. Sure, and that's that Catholic thing. Yeah. Right? And uh, so I go back to school, and I'm studying social work. So I'm oh, like, you're gonna do the right thing. Yeah, right. I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. And then after about like a semester or a couple quarters of social work, I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna make thirty thousand dollars a year, uh-huh. and I'm not even gonna like this job. Right. No. Yeah. And so then I transitioned into creative writing, and ended up graduating like two years after that. But the uh, and then creative started, writing degree, yeah, uh, liberal arts degree, uh huh, uh huh, and then started doing stand up again after that. But like, how the, long did it take for the shit to simmer down? Oh, like the uh, religious thing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, what happened? Like, it came to a head at some point where I remember one time I'm laying in bed and like a car drove down the street. I was living at my dad's house in like a guest room, and the headlights went through the leaves and like they they cascaded across the wall. Yeah, and I I thought that they were like. The demon, you know, in the movie Ghost, when the demons come up and take the bad guy and suck him down through the street or whatever. I don't know if yeah. you remember that. But I was like, oh, the, I'm, and then I felt my body getting sucked down through the mattress. Uh-huh. Maybe it was sleep paralysis. I'm not exactly sure. But, and I'm like, and then I come out of that and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, religion's supposed to be like a puppy. It's like a dog or something. It's supposed to make your life better and not trap you mm-hmm. and be a prisoner to it. So then I drove to the highest point in town. So hack, right? And uh, cliche, I, and I challenge God. Out loud? Um, yeah, all out loud. I'm throwing rocks at this guy even. What are you saying? And, uh, I'm saying, if you exist, show me a sign you exist. Show me, I don't believe you exist. This is your bullshit. Show me a sign. And then I had this moment where I'm like, oh man, this is like so, this is so hacky, like what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, everybody challenges God. And then I had this moment where but I'm it's like- biblical. You're yeah, on a yeah. mountain. You've, you're still sure. hung up with mountains. Yeah. And so then, but in my mind at the time, it's a stand-up comedy part of my brain yeah that was like you know what's not hacky selling your soul to the devil well it's not as hacky anyway like nobody does that so then not I anymore ma- it's not as popular yeah so i made a deal with the devil on the mountain night. i said if you are real you will show yourself to me you can have me the devil you, you give me everything i want right and uh because i because here was my brain my logic was like you know what if the devil exists that means by default, God exists. Uh-huh. So, you know, A equals B equals C. So right. I'm going to trick the devil into proving to me that God is real. Right. 
And even though the devil knows I'm doing that, the devil is cocky enough to think, well, it doesn't matter. And you were, you were strong enough in your will. Of course, right? And, uh, <laughs> and I do get everything I want to uh-huh. this day, but it just takes a long time. But did the devil reveal work. himself? No. Oh, so no one showed up. Yeah, I mean, up until six months ago, I was driving a 99 Camry. I don't know, do you think the devil's real? <laughs> I still got three roommates. It might be very real. Yeah, he might maybe, be very maybe, real. maybe you missed when he gave you everything. Yeah. There was a day there. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it's conditional. So after that happened, man, after I sold my soul to the devil, um, I, life's been good. <laughs> and I got back on the- uh, It doesn't sound like you owe him much. No, yeah, I sure yeah, don't. Maybe he hasn't delivered yet. Yeah, maybe times, maybe the hey, maybe it's tough economy for the devil. Maybe, maybe it's time, time to go tough. back up on the mountain and say, like, I thought we had a deal. Maybe that's why I go up there every day. <laughs> what happened to the deal? Yeah, what happened to the deal, man? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so that all simmered down, and then eventually, you know, I started doing stand-up all the time, and then it, it was like one of those things, too, where uh, I was like, you know what, I quit doing this once. Yeah. Now I'm never, now, now it's like, I'm not quitting until I'm dead. Right. It was like one of those, like, I get, I make ultimatums too many, too much with myself. Like, but that's one you've stuck with. That's one I've definitely stuck with. Yeah. Because, all right. So, well, that's, I guess that's, uh, that's the devil working through you. You've made a commitment. Yeah. It's given you everything you want. And now there's no way out. No way out. No way out. There isn't, dude. There is, there really isn't. And thank God. I know that personally, that like (laughs) when, when it all goes away. But I think that there's probably an opportunity for you being a a lapsed believer in in uh, for reals that you know if it ever all goes away you'll just go like all right Jesus okay here we go Jesus <laughs> I, these crystals aren't it. working anymore I, I get it <laughs> <laughs> I mean I got tiger's eye in my pocket this is supposed to give me money I guess I'll pray to Jesus instead <laughs> yeah finally came around to Jesus yeah. but uh but you know what so. What were your models like when you were working? So you started, because uh, you're a big road dog now, and you do a lot of those rooms, and you're headlining now, and what, you just, your third record they yeah. just put out? Yeah. What's that one called again? Immortal for Now. Immortal for Now. Yes. And you you did the back, the picture on the back. In Joshua Tree. In Joshua Tree with no Joshua Trees. With no Joshua Trees. It, it, was I the first guy to say that to you? You're <laughs> you like, were, I went to Joshua Tree. It was, it was so funny because it was like two days after I showed you the photo, too. Yeah. I was like, how long have you been thinking about this? <laughs> Has this been bothering you? <laughs> I was like, you, you, you went to Joshua Tree for the for the moment, for the spiritual uh, juice. Not one Joshua Tree in the fucking picture. Yeah, it just worked out that way. I think that was the best photo that we just randomly took. Because yeah. it wasn't like a photo shoot. It was just like, it was just me and my buddy Brooks, and we were just kind of walking around exploring. Okay, I get it. Yeah. So what, we're all just supposed to know it was Joshua Tree? No, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Okay, it matters to you. Well, I mean, it's cool to me to know that it was taken in Joshua Tree, just because, of, you know, Joshua Tree is kind of loaded with all that mythology from the past. So but. now, as I know you, you've gone through different manifestations of, uh, of you've done you've done the three CDs, you've done your, your crazy web series, uh, you know, uh, you've been in and out of relationships with kooky girls. You don't seem to be, the drugs seem to be behind you. What the hell was that period? How long did that go on for? Where the cocaine? That probably went around for about three years. I mean, I, I don't think I ever hit a true rock bottom with the drugs. Yeah. The, I'll never forget it. Like one of my first feature weekends ever, which was a big week for me, was Geraldo was headlining. Mm-hmm. And I got the week to be a feature act. Uh, it, go Bananas in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited about it. And we were in the green room just talking about like, things and great drugs. guy and i was like oh yeah i used to you know do a bunch of coke and uh, me and my buddies would just do coke and play speed chess yeah 
you know, because you get 30 seconds to make a move. Yeah. And I'll never forget it. Gerardo was just sitting in the green room. He looks at me and he goes, yeah, sounds like a real rock bottom. <laughs> I was like, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm a little beyond my scope here, I think. And um, so I, uh, so I never really, I think two weeks, did every, you, doing it every day for you, two weeks. Did you do some blow with Geraldo? No. You didn't? No, he was- uh, He was in a clean period? He was in a clean period as, as far as I can tell. I mean, what a great week though. Hey, he was great. He was great. Who else did you feature for that blew your mind? That made you go like, oh, I'm gonna, I got work to do. Oh man, there was, there's was. there been a lot of people that have really made me like feel like I got a lot of work to do. Geraldo was one of them for sure. Cause I looked, I went back and listened to those tapes. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my God, how did he put up with me? opening for him if I was him I would have been like get this fucking kid like his my opening joke at the time was hey you don't know who I am and thank god you don't because if I was famous I'd be a goddamn monster like yeah. I was like okay th- this is how the next 30 minutes is gonna go <laughs> defying yeah him defying to like him. you so uh, Ron Schock was a guy when oh, I was yeah. uh, younger uh, I remember he would come through Wiley's his comedy club in Dayton about twice a year and oh man he was so goddamn good and I remember one time he just murdered and he comes off stage, and I'd hung out. I would just—I was a wallflower there, you know. Yeah. I was just there all the time. And uh, he just looks at me. He comes off stage after just murdering for like an hour and fifteen minutes. He goes, "Ryan, that's how you do stand-up comedy." <laughs> <laughs> and then walks off. And I was like, "You know what, Ron? I'm not hanging out tonight. I'm going to go home and write." Yeah. It was like one o'clock on a Saturday, and I he had such a, a slow groove too. You yeah. Know? And like, uh, there was a guy named John uh, John Capanero. I know him. Uh, you know John? He. Uh, John Capanera. Capanera. And uh the He's first great time, comic. Yeah, the first time I saw him, I was like, Oh, you can layer you can level your jokes. You can have multiple levels to these jokes. A joke doesn't have to just stop. And he had a lot of juice too, a lot of energy. Yeah. yeah. He was great. Because uh, I remember like all those guys would come through. Wiley's like Ken Rogerson would come through. Kenny Rogerson. So funny. The best. So funny. His jokes are so good. Yeah. And then uh you know, Go Bananas I saw, you know, Stan Hope. Yeah. Uh who just blew me away. And then uh, you know, all those like but you know, not all of, and I saw Hedberg because he mm. would come through uh, Jokers. Mm-hmm. She would bring uh, him through here. Well, that's once, a great privilege. Like you know, when you you sort of abide by the sort of system and the you know the, to live it. Like uh, like I you know I spent my life sitting around comedy clubs. Even when you're not on, you're just sitting there chomping at the bit. You know, like when I worked at the store, but then back in Boston at Catch a Rising Star, you just go every night and just watch this shit. It's interesting the guys you chose because those are all fucking solid for a lot of different reasons. You know, there's some real vision to all of them. And I guess, uh, you know, over the years, you realize that you could do exactly what you want to do. Just got to make it work. Sure. And you don't have to abide by the audience because none of those guys really do. Campanera's a, a mainstream act, but, you know, he, he was his own thing. I haven't seen him in a long time. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't either. But I, I think I reached a level at some point where I learned, you know what, you got to learn some jokes. You got to learn how to write a joke. Yeah, I know. It took me a long time to learn that. Too. And, I, uh, I knew that they were there. I always knew I had to do jokes, but it's like, how do you do them for the ones that you, you make your own? Exactly. How's that fucking happen? The first time I ever got a week, the first week I ever got was, featuring? A, was just a Thursday and a Sunday featuring. And, and I was like, you know what? I knew it. I knew I was going to skip the MC spot. Yeah. This kid's got it. Yeah. You know, this is after five years of not getting a fucking bone thrown his way, right? Yeah. And I'm like, I got it. And Bobcat Goldthwait was uh, headlining uh, at Wiley's Comedy Club. Yeah. And, uh, but they didn't even have me MC 
Friday and Saturday. They didn't even trust me to MC. Right. So they threw me up on Thursday and Sunday to feature. And I was like, oh, okay, my career, here we go. Yeah. You know, yeah. Tonight Show, here we come. Uh-huh. And then I didn't get another MC week from that club or at work from that club again for years. And then I think slowly but surely I started working the other club in town. Well, what happened? Week. Well, why did you be just, a feature spot out of nowhere? I think the, the manager of the club really liked me. Yeah. And thought I had potential, convinced the, the owner of the club to give it to me. So then it was, I, I started challenging myself to try to write some clean jokes yeah. just so I could MC and learn how to do that. And then eventually uh, started getting work that way. Well, sure. you're very compelled now. I mean, like, you know, I talk to you, you know, you're at different levels of enlightenment. You're at different uh, stages of not doing things or doing things. Uh, you've got yourself into minor trouble here and there. I'm very, I, I fly by the seat of my pants, maybe yeah. a little too much. But, uh, but you do have a, a system. What's the system these days? The system is, you know, I try to, yeah, I try to lock in, do work every day, try yeah. to keep myself motivated. I got to hit the mountain. You got to hit the mountain. Hit what the does mountain. that mean for those of us? Go hiking. Just get outside. Yeah. Uh, just get outside and go get away from everything. Yeah. And just dump all that bullshit out. Do you meditate? I try to meditate on the mountain now. Yeah. Um, what do you sit down? I just sit down and I just kind of stare at a tree. Do you have crystals on you now? I do have crystals on me now. Can I see? Yeah. I have, um, I have just tiger's eye mm-hmm. and, uh. I just got some. Chris Garcia, your friend and mine, yes. just the other night uh, gave me a bunch of crystals as gifts. Uh-huh. We were doing a three-year anniversary show of the show we do, Underbelly. This is Tiger's Eye. Yeah. Uh, that's supposed to like help you get money or something. Uh-huh. And uh, this is, oh shit, how did I forget what this one was already? Was that, oh, that's Apache, is that Apache Tears? You asking me? It looks like it, yes. yeah. Yeah. And um, that's supposed to like, I think, bring balance between uh, extremes. So uh-huh. I was like, oh, that'd be a good one to have uh-huh. because I'm, you know- Sometimes I feel like you and I have that kind of relationship yeah. where I'm a little too overly optimistic sometimes and you can be a little bit more skeptical. So we kind of have a balance in the Yeah, middle. there's a balance. But I, I think that uh, like I've grown to learn about you is that you're you're kind of painfully optimistic just because at any given point you could be sucked into a dark <laughs> hole of fucking nothingness. <laughs> <laughs> over breakfast if you're not careful yeah sure and i mean i also have the circle of solomon around my neck yeah uh which is supposed to protect you from the gin from the gym the gin which is the d-j-i-n-n which are like the shape-shifting shadow people tricksters of the night uh-huh there's this book i was reading on and uh i got while i was reading the book i was getting you mean comics ad- admittedly scared <laughs> 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 you mean all of our peers they protect you from yeah, the yeah, show yeah. business yeah yeah <laughs> that's the one that'll keep you out of work <laughs> good See, job on misinterpreting the gin yeah yeah uh, that's that's what you're in the that's the business <laughs> <laughs> and there is i i get the fact too like part of me really loves when there's like stigma attached to something uh that might be because you never know there's a lot of loaded things i get into like as far as when like the paranormal and all that kind of mystical stuff and i do get that a lot of it's fanciful and i remember one time i was hiking and i was just at the top of this hill in town i'm looking at like there was a couple helicopters flying around planes were ascending and some were landing and i remember thinking to myself oh man you know hundred thousand years ago there might have been a human being ancestor just sitting here wondering what all this could turn into someday yeah and i remember even i remember saying out loud just to myself like okay there's a limit to how much whimsy you can have yeah at some point without just floating off the globe uh-huh. you know so I, I do try to find it is important for me to get grounded uh within reality at times Are, do you do that i think I you can't avoid to. it 
No, you can't avoid it. I mean, because life, life. Unless you're nuts. You. But I think what, what I see with you, and, and I think, because I've gone through my own crystal periods and conspiracy periods, is that, you know, you make choices to, to you know, you have you have some control if you're not out of your mind and you don't let yourself get out of your mind over the, you know, the context of your perception. Do you know what I mean? It's like you can. It's like you know. Are there UFOs? I'm gonna. I'm gonna choose to say no, because I don't have time. Yeah. It's I, like I'm what not, can you fit? What can you fit into your mind? Right. There might be. You know. It's fine. But like, let someone else do that research, and I'll be pleasantly surprised, sure, <laughs> or, or terrified when they show up. But I'm not gonna spend my life. I would be terrified. Okay. Fine. I know you've put thought into it. You said that with some earnestness and you did. Yeah. No, but like, but I think that one thing, you know, from talking to you that we know is that, you know, you were wired with the ability to believe. Oh, I got that blueprint, man. Right. Yeah. That, so, that mystical, crazy blueprint. And it's like, it's so it's easy for me to latch on to this, this other world. Right. But don't lose your mind. Oh, no, no. I believe that it's it's more fun to believe. I'll, I will share with you the quote from Tom McGuane that I share occasionally. The mind is not a boomerang. If you throw it too far, it will not come back. <laughs> yeah, I do worry about that. Well, you should, you fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I think I got, a, I got a decent grasp on the idea that, you know, you can only go so far with certain things. I do like pushing to edges. Well, like, what's this podcast you do? It's called Me and Paranormal You. And how often and do you put it up? I put it up twice a week. Really? Yeah, I do. uh, On Tuesdays, I do like a half hour. uh, I call it a thirty-year bonus, Uh uh, where it's just me doing research on a subject that comes up a bunch. Uh Uh, For example, I just put one up on uh, the Do Easy method. I don't know if you've ever heard that William S. Burroughs wrote a uh, an essay on it. It's uh, allegedly it's tied into magic. He was like a practitioner of chaos magic. Yeah, I should uh, know that. I'm a big Bill Burroughs guy, but you're teaching me something. I probably have the fucking essay. Yeah, uh, Gus Van Sant made a uh, short film. Uh, about based on it uh-huh. uh, when he was just out of uh, film school. Oh, I got to check that out. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty fascinating. So that's Tuesday. Yeah, so that was like something Tuesday. And then uh, on Fridays, I do the uh, full-length interviews with people who have like paranormal abilities or experiences. Like I uh, talked to a woman who was a medium. You know, that's what her profession is. I was uh-huh. past, past life hypnotized on one. There was one I uh, recorded myself with uh, Shane Moss. Uh, we did a three-parter where we did DMT together. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. How was that? That was crazy. So when you go up to the farm and you hang out with the cows occasionally, does that ground you? Yeah, it is pretty cool, man. Like, there's something very peaceful about just kind of being back in nature and not being surrounded by, like, you know, Twitter and Facebook and all, all right. that shit. All right. Well, don't get lost, dude. No, I'm, you know, I'm, I think I'm, uh, you know, I think I'm on the right path. Yeah, my car has got the right... Oh, shit. yeah, I saged the shit out of that car, too. We didn't need it. It was like... <laughs> Even that car's car. a practical car. Oh, yeah, it's practical. But, I mean, there's a lot of energy in there. There's a lot of, like, uh, slamming it in reverse up a <laughs> half a mile yeah, up a yeah. hill, screaming, what All the right. fuck? All right. You know? Yeah. So we, you know. It's been through some shit. Not that car's been great so far. Has it? Oh, yeah, I'm taking it on a big trip here in about a week. Yeah, it's good, man. They're good cars. Yeah. I love you, man. Love you too, buddy. Thanks for talking. Yeah. That's me and Ryan Singer again tonight. Ryan Singer is at Doc's Lab in San Francisco. You can get his new CD, Immortal for Now, wherever you get CDs. A funny, odd, sensitive man, that Ryan Singer. He's a thinker. All right, so go to WTFPod.com soon. Soon everything's going to be different. Everything's going to be different. Get some JustCoffee.co. Get on the mailing list. Order some posters. Do what you want. Leave a message. 
Uh, yeah, email me through there. Hold on. Uh.